Y'all give it up. We got some kids reading scripture for us this morning. And they matching. They got their bow ties on. Okay, I think we're going English first. Is that right? All right, you ready? My name is Aiden Johnson. I'll be reading Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 through 15 in ESV. For you were called to freedom. Brothers only do not use freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as is yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Mi nombre es Chase Johnson y voy a leer Galatas 5, 13 a 15. Reina Valera 1960. Porque vosotros, hermanos, a libidad fuisteis llamados. Solamente que no uséis la libidad como ocasión para la carne, sino servios por amor los unos a los otros. Porque toda la ley en esta sola palabra se cumple. Amarás a tu prójimo como a ti mismo. Pero si os moréis y coméis unos a otros, mira que también os consuméis unos a otros. Praise God for the children. And I'll let y'all know, on y'all way out, I've been trying to get it for 30 years, and I still ain't got it. Y'all did y'all thing. Come on, y'all encourage them one more time for this. There you go. Let's pray over God's word. Father, we thank you for this morning. What a wonderful privilege and opportunity we get once again to come into your presence with your people to receive from you the word, your word, your living and active word. Father, we, we, we do pray, God, that you would do 10,000 things that we've yet to think of uh, in our hearts and in this body. And Lord, as you continue to work, we pray that you would build us up to the full stature of the image of the Son of God. Lord, that we may no longer be blown and tossed by every wave of teaching and doctrine, but instead, Father, we will be rooted in your word, being able to distinguish right from wrong, light from darkness. Make us a wise and humble people. Uh, we ask this in Jesus' name. And somebody say, amen. amen. I was on Facebook the other day watching a video someone posted of Animal Planet. And if you know me, I love me some Animal Planet. Boy, I love, ooh, I love me some Animal Planet. And in the video, it was two gazelles fighting, and their horns were locked together and faces buried into the ground. Why they were fighting, I do not know. But as they were focusing on fighting each other, the enemy of their life was creeping up on them. A lion was creeping up while they were fighting. A lion was coming while they were distracted by one another. The lion soon made his kill and devoured one because they were too busy fighting each other instead of keeping watch for the real enemy. Instead of working together, they were working for the enemy, but not on purpose. When Zales fight, they are actually fighting for the enemy. And we be honest this morning. We at times in the church are like those two gazelles. We get so busy fighting each other we make it easy for Satan to devour us. Can we be honest? Being part of a church family isn't always easy. I thought I would have got an amen. I say being part of a church family isn't always easy. 
We all come from different backgrounds with different perspectives, and we try our best to honor God and love each other. However, like any family, you do life long enough, you will at times disagree, hurt each other, and say things you wish you hadn't said. You'll get mad and more. I like to put it this way. Where there's flesh, there's mess. Where there's flesh, there's mess. One person said, if you find a perfect church, don't go there because you'll mess it up. In the end, be in a church long enough and you'll be offended and you will offend. Unfortunately, these days we struggle with resolving conflict in the body. We just go to another church or avoid the individual we have conflict with. I'm sitting on the left side, you sitting on the right side. Don't come over here, I won't come over there. Don't look at me, I won't look at you. Whatever, whatever. Can't stand you, I can't stand you, neither. Or, or, we go to social media with it. We go to social media with our, just keep looking at me. With our offenses, especially some of us, we want to be subliminal in our messages. <laughs> we know who you're talking about, cuz. <laughs> I see you, I see you. Sometimes Christians become each other's biggest enemies. As a young pastor, I'm finding one of the hardest fights is not fighting to keep Satan from killing the saints, but keeping the saints from killing the saints. I'm going to be honest this morning. Uh, sometimes uh, the biggest battle is inside the body and not outside the body. Sometimes the biggest threat is not outside the body, but inside the body. Understand, this is not a message that says gazelles should never fight. But this is a message to say Gazelles must fight to stay together. We do not want to be a church that tells people to stay married because God said so while ignoring the turbulence we experience by being in relationship with each other. Our sinful and sometimes harmful behavior, our chronic conflict and hardness of heart. We just say things, can't we all just get along? It one more time. I like the way it sounds. I'll play it back for you. Can't we all just get along? Friends, that's no magic bullet. Neither is God telling us to love each other a magic bullet. However, as Christians, we must understand that our survival is at stake if we don't get along. Our survival is at stake if we do not get along. The question is, how do we get along? The first point I want to make is the gospel empowers us to get along. Here's where we are all found guilty. While most of us in the room would nod our heads in agreement to the gospel, we fail to apply it horizontally, its implication in our day-to-day -day walk with other believers. However, before the Bible ever tells us to do to get along, it sends Christ so that we can get along. Because whatever we do, listen to me, church, is always rooted in what Christ has done. Whatever we do is always rooted in what he has done. We are unable to carry out any godly acts apart from God. We are unable to carry out any godly acts apart from from God. Let me say it again because I want to be clear. Friends, we are unable to carry out godly acts apart from God working in us. It is imperative that God is at work in us if we're going to work out that which he requires of us. Doing life with other sinners and loving them as you do 
is no easy task over an extensive period of time. Let me say it. Let me make sure y'all caught the extensive. Loving other sinners, loving other imperfect people is no easy task over extended period of time. You know when you first get in relationship, you love everything about them. I mean, I mean everything about them. Those of us who've been in a relationship long enough be looking at them like we're going to see in five years when they still head over heels for each other. Because over time, let me be honest, over time you forget the person is there and you begin to be who you really are. And so the first couple of months you get the commercial and then the rest of the time you get to take the product home and you find out what that product is really about. It's easy to love people for a season. It's easy to love them for a moment, but it is hard to love people over an extensive period of time. We must understand if we will resolve conflict among the body, we must go deeper than just saying, can we all just get along? During the riots on May 1st, 1992, Rodney King made a television appearance in which he says, I just want to say, you know, can we all get along? Can we, can we get along? Unfortunately, years later, the answer is still no. Why? Because when you deal with the fruit and not the root, you just give fruit opportunity to come back. Fruit doesn't produce itself. The root does. For an example, we can't just tell our young men to be good fathers in the city of Gary. We must deal with the systemic disproportionate arrests and sentencing in black communities. Because if not, you will not have many men left to be responsible husbands or fathers. If we think we resolve conflict in the body by behavior modification instead of the gospel transformation, we are fighting fruit and not root. Because sin produces bad fruit and only the gospel can uproot the power of sin. Only the gospel can uproot the power of sin. Friends, this is why before Paul tells us what to do in our verse today, he reminds us of what Jesus has already done. I love verse 1. Watch it. Here it is. He says, For freedom Christ set us free. You didn't shout. You didn't shout because you didn't catch what he just said. He says, for freedom, Christ set us free. In the Greek, this reads stronger. For freedom, Christ has freed you. What's what he does here. He uses freedom as both the noun and a verb which means that freedom is both the destination and the means of the Christian life. In context, this is not a civil or political freedom, but a spiritual freedom from the Mosaic law and good works as a means of gaining acceptance with God. In other words, Christ in his death has not only liberated you from the penalty of sin, but he's liberated you from the power of sin. Well, that's good news, friends, because the reason you couldn't keep God's law is because you were under condemnation and you were under the jurisdiction of sin. But Christ has set you free. He has set you free. Christ in his death has set Christians free from the law to live a free life by the grace of God apart from the bondage of the Mosaic law. 
The Mosaic law was temporary until Christ would come, and then he would bring a better and higher way of life, which is why we continue to say that Jesus Christ did not come to bring us religion. That's not why he came. Jesus Christ did not come to give you a new dress code. Jesus Christ did not come to give you a new diet. No, Jesus came to give you life. And that's a big difference, friends. That's totally two different things from religion and life. You don't need, no, 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 no. You don't need behavior modification. You actually need a new heart. You need a new life. You need a new nature. You need something that only God can do. For freedom, Christ has set you free. The Mosaic law was temporary until Christ came. This new way would be the law of Christ, which is put into operation by means of the Holy Spirit. Christ has set the Christian free to execute the Christian way of life. And how do we all get along? We must first be set free to do so. We cannot get along until we are set free to get along. We must be set free from the prison of our own flesh. Apart from Christ's work on the cross and life, and in life at work in us, it is impossible for us to get along as Christians. The gospel is the foundation of our unity, and without it, it is impossible. The gospel is the foundation of our unity. We see this in 1 John, do we not? We have fellowship with one another, and we have fellowship with the Father and with the Son. We are so united to Christ that his likes become our likes, that his hate becomes our hate. That's how united we are. This is what happens in marriage. What, 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 not, not in totality, but, but, but essentially you begin to take on the likes of your wife, and your wife begins to take on the likes of you. You say, Pastor, I don't know what house you're living in. Uh, <laughs> but when we begin to unify things that disturb my wife ought to disturb me. And because Jesus loves the saints, we ought to love the saints. Because Jesus is trying to rescue sinners, we ought to rescue sinners. Do you not see that his desire becomes our desire? The foundation of our unity is the gospel of Jesus Christ. For freedom, he has set you free. This is not hard to understand. We say things like this all the time. If I had a million dollars, I would do X, Y, the, oh, if I had a million dollars. Oh, my goodness. Ooh God, no, I don't need a million dollars. No telling what would happen. But if I had a million dollars, just think about all the things that you would do if you had a million dollars. But in essence, what you're saying is because I don't have the million dollars, I cannot do that which I desire to do. A million dollars would allow me to fulfill the things I would like to do. Unfortunately, without the million dollars, I am stuck. The million dollars is the means to accomplish the goal. Paul is saying freedom is the means by which we will accomplish God's will. Not by mere rules. Not by mere shaming quotes of, can't we all just get along? Or shaming quotes that say, I can't believe you did that. Those things do not accomplish God's will. No, this is the work of the Holy Spirit that unites the church. Christ in his death has provided the million so we can accomplish the work of God in the body. We have been set free. We have been set free. We have been set free. Can we celebrate that for a moment? Set free from the power of sin. Set free from the power of the world. Set free from death. We've been set free in this place. We ought to celebrate it. So if we are free, what are we free to do? After being a slave for so long, you need to grow in understanding what freedom is and how to steward it. What does gospel freedom look like? The gospel freedom is getting along. Here it is, Paul says in the verse, for you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. 
But the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You should love your neighbor as yourself. Paul makes it clear that God did not set us free to live after the flesh. The flesh or our sin nature is the part of man that lives for self and desires to do evil. Christian liberty is freedom from sin, not freedom to sin. Let me say that again. Christian liberty is freedom from sin, not freedom to sin. So that God didn't set you free so you can go do whatever the heck you want to do. God didn't set you free. You'll say, oh, oh, Jesus died for my sin. I ain't got no condemnation. He paid it. Oh, boy, I'm about to go live it up then. Oh, yeah, I'm about to go tear the city up tonight. Because what does it matter? I'm free. But God ain't set you free so that you can go sin. What normally happens when we get the million dollars we always wanted? We don't go do the good we said we was going. Come on now, let's just be honest. You talk about all this stuff you're going to do, all the good you're going to do, you get that million dollars. You get that million dollars, you take that million dollars and go do all the stuff you couldn't do when you was broke. Some of us, it's a blessing you broke because God knows some of the stuff that you would do if you had a million dollars. God broke and kept you humble. Broke kept you out of trouble. That's right. Some of y'all go make it rain you had a million dollars. Come on, let's be honest. God's still working on my little heart, all right? I ain't as sanctified as some of y'all feel with the Holy Ghost. Y'all been in church all y'all life. But some of us, if we had a million dollars, we'd be in all kind of trouble. Paul tells us not to use freedom. Not, Paul tells us not to use the freedom Christ has given us to satisfy our flesh. This is critical to understand. Many people have used the gospel as an excuse to live however and treat people however. God did not set gazelles free to kill each other. We cannot get along if we are living by the flesh. Sin not unite, but divides. How can a brother get along with a sister in the body if he uses the gospel freedom for misogyny, uh, uh, subjugation of women? We cannot get along that way. How can we get along if we use the gospel freedom to promote racial injustice and biases We are not set free to gossip and backbite and promote evil. We have pastors all in America using their power to abuse sheep and to wring them every dollar and every cent that they have. The gospel does not promote the selfishness of the flesh. That is not the gospel. And I don't care how convinced they feel when we use the gospel for a gain for our own selfish stuff. We are not walking in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Friends, this individualistic thinking must die among us. For this is not what we see in the Bible. Is this why Christ set the church free? So that we can abuse and use one another? To look around and say, what can I get out of my brother or my sister? Freedom usually gets abused because we don't know how to handle freedom. We do not know how to handle freedom. Usually the million dollars get misused because we don't know how to handle a million dollars. A lot of people want a million dollars, but a lot of people don't know how to handle a million dollars. When we don't know how to handle something we never had, we waste it. When we do not know how to handle something we never had, we waste it. Reminds me of when I used to work in the bank, and this young man that came in the bank, he had inherited over $100,000. Uh, it, it was due to an unfortunate event that his father had passed away, and he came in the bank, and he was happy as all get out that he had an inheritance. I was like, what about your, your pops, though? Uh, I know you got $100,000. What about your daddy, man? But he didn't care about that. So us in the bank, we sat down, and we tried to talk to the young man. 
We try to inform him on things that he should invest into to make the best out of his $100,000. Did he listen? No, he ain't listen. He took his $100,000 and bought a car with over 100,000 miles on it. He went up to Sitco gas station, started buying them silly shirts that they got hanging up. He bought Tim's. He bought clothes. He bought all these things. And before you know it, the young man was broke. Was he wrong for buying those things? Absolutely not. But freedom is not just about right and wrong. Freedom is about is it wise? How exactly do we use Christian freedom? We must understand we are free to do what we want to do in a lot of cases, but we must ask, is it wise? Too often Christians come to me and they say, Pastor, is it right or is it wrong? Instead of asking, Pastor, is it wise? As an example, as a pastor, I'm free to drive whatever I want to drive. But given our context and notion about pastors and abuse of the saints' money, it may not be wise for me to drive wherever I want to drive. Now, many will say, Pastor, go get what you want. You shouldn't let that stop you. You missed the point. My goal with my life is not to serve me, but to serve God and his people. Still not tracking me. We spend our million on what we love. You ultimately will spend your million dollars on what you love. As Christians, our top love should be God and people, right? How we use our freedom will reveal our hearts. It is not people's opinion of me that stops me from going to get the car that I want. No, Christ has freed me from the opinion of men. It's love that restrains me from getting what I want. Ah, so you see, true freedom is walking in love. You're not free if you're not walking in love. This is why Augustine says, love God and do whatever you want. Because if you love God, you're not going to do things that's contrary to God. And you don't feel like a slave because you love what you are doing. This is not complicated. What is he inferring here? If you walk in love, you will not need a law. Those who walk in love do not need the law to walk in godliness. Why? Because love does no wrong. This is what the book of Corinthians says. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoice with the truth. Love bears all things, believe all things, hope all things, endures all things. You know why we got 600 commandments? Because we can't walk in love. Because we can't do one commandment. We got 600 commandments to govern us. But now Christ has set you free. So that you have the ability to now love. This is what the gospel does. It doesn't just save us, but it changes us. And it makes us like our father. It makes us into loving people. That is, if you are saved. Paul puts it this way as well. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, self-control. Self-control, somebody say, Lord, have mercy. Let me say it one more time. Self-control, let it hit you right in the right, 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 in the right ear. Bam, self-control. Gazelles, God only gave us the law because we couldn't walk in love. You'll know if Christ has set you free because you'll be able to walk in love. How else do we steward gospel freedom? Number two. You use it to serve others. This is what he says. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affections and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. 
Hello, people. Christianity 101. Christianity is not about you. You are not the center of the universe. You're not the center of the church. Instead, Christianity calls us to a sacrificial, lowly love where we get down and we serve one another and we lift one another up with the gifts and the things that we have. This is Christianity. He says it right there. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of, of others. When you got out of bed today, who did you think about? When you consider your schedule and your time, what does it reflect? Now, it's easy to say, <laughs> Pastor, I love, I love put people before me all the time. Oh, yes, I do. I'm just a darling from heaven. You better believe I am. Self-evaluation without anyone else speaking into it is pathetic. You need something more objective to evaluate yourself because you are too prone to give yourself an A when you fail the test. This is why you got to examine your schedule and examine your bank account and let that testify to whether you love other people and whether you put people before yourself. And believe me, as I'm preaching to you, I'm preaching to me as well. Have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Watch it. Christ is the example who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death On the cross, Paul says that Christians ought to reflect their Savior. Jesus got down low, 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 really, 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 really low. For him to downgrade from God to a human being, as I said it before, it's like you becoming a mosquito. I don't know about you, I don't want to become a mosquito. Maybe a camel or something. I don't want to become no mosquito. Christ downgraded. So that he can serve you and I. You, you and I. He gave up the courts of glory so that you can have a new life. I mean, I'm reading through the Gospels, and I don't know about you, but I'm like tripped out by Jesus. I mean, he gets down on his feet, and he washes grown man feet. I'm like, hold up. Now, God, I do a lot of things. I ain't touching no toes, though. But here's Christ. He gets down, and he washes people's feet. That doesn't astonish you. That doesn't blow your socks off. Because the chapter before, John the Baptist says, I'm not even worthy to tie his sandals. That's how lofty and high he is. And if we would take a dose of Christ's humility, oh, how different the body of Christ would be. How much different the body would be. What would happen to the city of Gary if 10% of us gave 10% of our time? What would happen to this city if 10% of us gave 10% of the talent that we have? What would happen? We would change Gary, Indiana overnight if we would just give of ourselves. Number three. You steward freedom by staying free. Don't be like Simba from Lion King. Instead of singing, I can't wait to be king, he started singing, Akuna Matata. It means no worries for the rest of your days. Here's the thing. Simba was singing it, but he wasn't believing it. And we do that in church all the time. We sing a lot of stuff that we don't really believe. He said no worries, but he was afraid to go back home. He was afraid to take his rightful place as king because he was still a prisoner to his past. But I'm so grateful that the God that we serve frees us from our past so that we can go forward in our future. This is freedom. 
And Christ said, you don't let nobody put shackles back on you. You don't let nobody put you back in the cage because whom the Son sets free. I'm happy in my soul now. It's free indeed because when God frees you, can't nobody lock you back up. When God frees you, pornography can't lock you back up. When God frees you, anger can't lock you back up. When God frees you, selfishness can't lock you back up. When God frees you, bitterness can't lock you back up. And you ought to stand on your feet, flat-footed, and proclaim to Satan, you can't lock me back up because I have been set free. Now hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, because it's easy to clap about it. It's another thing to walk in it. The next time you got bitterness in your soul against a brother or a sister, you tell that bitterness, you can't have my life because Christ has set me free. Y'all not getting this. A lot of times we shrink back into our sin because we believe that our sin is more powerful than us. But when we apply the gospel and we really, 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 really take it in, what we realize is that the sin that we're walking in really doesn't have power over me. This is what the slaves had to get. They got set free. It was one thing for them to proclaim that they were free. It's another thing for a slave to believe that he's free because it's possible that you could be set free and still have the mindset of a slave so that you just don't need freedom to be, be proclaimed on the outside, but you need freedom to ring on the inside. Oh, yes, yes, yes. You got to know that no matter what you're facing, she just sang it, didn't she? No fire can burn me. No battle can turn me. Why? Because whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Uh, you ought to take a moment and think about what you're going through right now. What are you stuck in right now? What are you battling right now? You ought to stand flat-footed on the gospel of Jesus Christ and know without a shadow of a doubt that God has set me free. I wish I had some people in the place that's been set free. You've seen them work in your life, how he turned your marriage around and he turned your friendships around and how he'll turn this church around. Friends, God has set you free. You stay free. Don't let danger and fear lock you back up. See, I had to learn this the hard way. My daddy, when I was younger, tell me to go do something. I'll get downstairs, let my brother tell me something else. My daddy say, son, why you didn't do what I told you to do? Well, my brother said, what did I say? What he's saying is I got more authority than your brother. And so every time you answer to fear and anxiety and stress in your situation, you allow your little brother to tell you what to do. But God says, what did I say? I wish I had some people in here that'll listen to what God said and not what your little brother said. God has the final authority. He has the final say-so. Understand he has both set you free. So you can turn from those things and so that those things would not be the reason you're not serving him today. The gospel warns us what will happen if we don't get along. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out. That you are not consumed by one another. Can I teach this? Let me read it again. But if you bite 
and devour one another. I'm starting to regret I wore this sweater up here. Uh, but <laughs> I'm hotter than all get up. Uh, but if you bite, and y'all know I'm crazy, uh, but if you bite, we family, I got to be real. Just in case I fall out, somebody bring a towel up here, throw me in that tub right there. Uh, but <laughs> it'll be a resurrection right before you. Uh, anyways, let me stop. Let me get back to the word, Abel. Let me get back to the word. Bring it in. Ah, here we go. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. When we do not walk in freedom, Christ has given, the result is spiritual civil war amongst the saints. Watch what Paul is doing. Gazelles who are hovervores become carnivores. We begin to consume each other. We Christians can become each other's biggest enemies. What does it look like for Christians to bite and devour one another? You start seeing things like gossip, slander, jealousy, division, and much more. When you begin to see these things, you can be assured that we are not walking in gospel freedom. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. You see, we know we are not walking in the spirit when our favorite dish becomes another gazelle. We are not walking in the spirit. I don't care how much in peace you feel. When your favorite dish becomes another gazelle, that ain't God. And you got to be careful because your flesh will trick you that it is God. Well, you don't know what they did to me. Child, have you seen what I've seen? If you've been through what I've been through, and when I see them, I got a cuss word. I've been saving for them too, Pastor. This cuss word ain't for nobody else. I made it up. It ain't even in the dictionary. I had to, I had to find something out in the cosmos form. I had to go way, way, way out. I went in the dictionary, started putting words together because I couldn't even describe it. But when I see them, I got something for them. I'm going I'm to I'm I'm cuss them out so good, I ain't going to even take a breath. See? <laughs> can, can we just be real? I was going to give them these hands, but now they're going to get these hands. I wanted to, get, I wanted to, I wanted to pray for them. I wanted, I, want, I wanted to give him the fault. I wanted to give him the straight hand. But now I got to give him knees. But that's all right, because I already told God. I asked God for forgiveness before I, before I get to him. So I already got, I clear things with the Lord, so when I see him, they're going to get what they deserve. But the devouring and biting is rooted in a misunderstanding and a losing sight of the gospel. Because it is always deeper than our behavior. Friends, this has to do with identity. A gazelle that loves meat does not understand him or herself, or they are not a gazelle. Friends, do not be deceived. Gazelles, consuming gazelles is not of God, no matter how much at peace you feel. It is deeper than your behavior. It has to do with a misunderstanding of your identity. In the early morning hours of April 15, 1912, the ship of which it was said not even God could sink, sank. The corporate that led to the demise of the Titanic was an iceberg. It is said that when it floats, we only see 9% of any iceberg. And the other 91% is hidden well beneath the surface. In other words, for ships like the Titanic, the real danger when it becomes, when it comes to an iceberg, is not what you see above the surface, it's what lies beneath. What sinks the church 91% of the time is we want to deal with behavior without dealing with the heart. And as we consider our text in context this morning, this is how Paul juxtaposition legalism in fleshly behavior. While relational devouring is the tip of the iceberg, what lies beneath the surface fueling the act is legalism. When we think that somehow we were saved by our own merit or we have spiritual advantages over others, 
that does not produce spiritual humility. When we get and understand the gospel, it will promote a spirit of humility and desire for reconciliation with our brothers and our sisters. A desire to fight our own sin. And you know the biggest sin you ought to be fighting is your own sin. It's so easy to fight everybody else's sin. It's another thing to fight your own sin. But what the gospel promotes among us is a spirit of humility because when you realize that your no good self didn't save yourself, it ought to, it ought to put your face in the carpet. When you realize that God shouldn't have saved you, that he shouldn't have washed you up, that he shouldn't have reconciled you, there ain't no way in the world you shouldn't have a heart that's able to forgive, that you shouldn't have a heart that's ready to reconcile when you know good and well that God shouldn't have saved you. But let's be honest. The gospel does set us free so that we can all get along. But resolving conflict is not always easy. And we need to learn as the church how to resolve conflict. I want to give you some tips this morning. Pastor Brian Loritz helped me out big time in this. We can be in one of three categories. We can be a turtle when it comes to resolving conflict. We can be a shark or we can be a doctor. The turtle, you know, You know how a turtle handles conflict. When they see something they don't like or appears threatening, they withdraw into themselves. Avoidance is the defense mechanism of turtles when it comes to conflict. Know anyone like this? A turtle says, I know I need to say something, but if I do it, it's going to cause a fight. So let me not even say anything. Let me keep the peace. Turtles aren't peacemakers because in their refusal to deal with the issue, they actually disturb the peace instead of making peace. The second one is you can be a shark in the room. On the other extreme are sharks. When it comes to conflict, sharks smell blood. They see an issue, and they want to fly to it. When your spouse seems quiet, oh, say, give me a minute, all hell breaks loose. We need to deal with this right now. And we ain't going to bed in this house until we talk about it. What you looking at? I'm looking at you. Wake up in the middle of the night, they staying at you. (coughs) The shark over there like, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong with you? We need to talk about this now. And did you know that sharks, Brian Lewis says, do you know that sharks cannot move backwards? And when it comes to conflict, proverbial sharks have a hard time backing off of things. Everything tends to be an issue and needs to be addressed right now. Instead of peacemaking, sharks tend to kill relationships by their insensitivity or their aggressiveness. The last thing you can be, and this is what I encourage everybody in the church to be, when it comes to resolving, be like doctors. When it comes to conflict, all uh, we should all be like doctors. When, when a person is feeling a conflict in their body, they go to the doctor. The doctor will spend a lot of time asking questions and listening. The doctor will also run tests. Now, all of this question asking, listening, and testing is the doctor trying to discern if the issue needs to be addressed, how it needs to be addressed, and when it needs to be addressed. Sometimes the doctor will surprise the patient by telling them no action is needed to be taken. Things just need to run their course. Other times the doctor will say the issue needs to be dealt with, but not in a non-invasive way with medication prescribed. But then there are times when the surgery needs to be scheduled where the pain is serious and the affliction is serious and the doctor needs to go in and remove it. The doctor does all of this to bring peace to the body. We want to make walking in the spirit extra, but it ain't extra. The Bible is clear. The church is walking in the spirit when we love one another. When we have a desire inside of us 
that says, brother and sister, I can't live without you. When we got a desire down in our heart that says, brother and sister, I want to reconcile things with you. And sometimes, friends, that takes humility. And sometimes that takes going to a person even when you know you're right. Because that's what God did for you. Why do you think we call him the Prince of Peace? Because when all hell was breaking loose, when I was doing my own thing, God didn't wait for me to get it together. He met me in my mess and said, brother, I'm going to die for you even when you don't deserve my death. Friends, sometimes we need to ask questions instead of making assumptions. You got your mind made up about somebody and you ain't even talked to them. You'll be surprised some of the stuff that goes away when you go talk to a brother and sister. One of the biggest killers in marriages. Is Satan wants to shut down communication. The biggest way to squash gossip is just go to the person and ask them. Put on your big girl pants and your big boy pants and go ask them. And you ain't got to come aggressive. You just say, did you say this about me? I heard some things. Is this true? And if you hear people gossiping about somebody, you ought to say something. And say, you know what? The Bible is here. We got to alt with our brother. We need to go to them and address the issue. You'll be surprised how much drama goes away when we bring sin to the light. Satan beats us because we don't communicate. It's interesting. When I was preparing this message, I went on Google. I love Google. And I just typed in, what, do Gail, what does a gazelle do to survive? Two things. A, they run, and they run real fast. I hear the Bible, y'all. Resist the devil, and he'll flee. There's some things you ought to run away from. But then there was another thing. It says that gazelles survive by being in large numbers so that they can look out for the enemy. What the enemy wants to do is have us looking at each other so that we're not looking at him. And just like that lion, he's coming from every direction. But when brothers and sisters are looking out for one another, we make Satan's job extra, extra, extra hard. Because brother, I got your back. Sister, I got your back. I'm looking out for you. But you got to make yourself available in that way. That's why it's important to come to Bible study. That's why it's important to pray. And I got brothers in my life that could check me, that can say, hey, you out of line. I got a phone call last week from a brother just questioning me, bro, making sure I'm good. Do you got somebody in your life that can check you? I don't care what level of authority you in. You need other gazelles looking out for you. Because if I'm being honest, sometimes come from every direction. And I can't fight it. I can't fight them in every direction. But boy, if I got some brothers that's looking out for me, bring it on, devil. You're going to have to take all of us. 